to a book a week. How you doing, Q? Hey, Dom. How you doing, brother? How, uh, how you doing this Sunday, man? Yeah, dude. I'm doing well. Thanks. Great, bro. Great. I'm doing well. Uh, Sunday, June 16th. Uh, had a good day at the beach yesterday. Absolutely, so. bro. Just honestly overwhelmed by this feeling of oh, gratitude today, man. Went to the beach yesterday. It was a beautiful day. I got a crazy sunburn right now. I look like Larry the Lobster. But, you know, we're here. We're ready to go. Let's do it. So we're talking about quiet. Um, the Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Cain. Mm. Um, Brendan, how did you come across this book? Dumb. So, bro, I really, I felt like I was neglecting kind of nonfiction books, and particularly uh-huh. like uh, modern nonfiction books for a while. So I went on goodreads.com, which is a good website uh, for anyone that's trying to get into like a, a literature community. It's uh, called goodreads.com, and they have a bunch of different lists. So I think I typed in uh most popular like current nonfiction books and this one was like highly regarded had over four stars so i decided to give it a try and uh i liked it man you know i thought it was a good book yeah we've been reading well we had read about dale carnegie and i think when we were reading that book you had mentioned that you had also read another book that um kind of had a couple of counterpoints to yeah Dale bro definitely selling and he's really the epitome of the extrovert right <laughs> i feel like this book is definitely a uh a counter mm-hmm. to dale carnegie and i found that funny i think it's the first chapter of the book where uh kane starts talking about carnegie right yeah. off the bat almost to let us know as an introduction you know this is going to be something that I, I might try to argue against in yeah. this book yeah so let's start there then um so Prior to Dale Carnegie, I think he was started writing in maybe like the early 1900s, 1920s maybe is when his books were coming out on really self-help. He he started as a salesman. Uh, I forget which episode, but if you scroll through um, our our episodes, we got a whole book on Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Uh, So um, prior to Dale Carnegie, there was – they embraced – so she's commenting on American culture. uh, So – I'm going to quote her directly. She says, In the culture of character, the ideal self was serious, disciplined, and honorable. What counted was not so much the impression one made in public as how one behaved in private. Wow. The word personality didn't exist in English until the 18th century, and that the idea of having a good personality was not widespread until the 20th. So this is kind of the era pre-1920s is what Susan Cain argues – this is the pre-extrovert ideal. Um, right. And then once Carnegie came along and really the rise of industrial America, um, there was a whole cultural evolution that really started valuing the extrovert. Definitely. And definitely. we're still living in it today because yeah, yeah. really uh, if you have extrovert, an extroverted personality and some of their character traits, then it is rewarded at least very well in America. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, Dom, I think, you know, you're hitting on a lot of these things right off the bat. Um, And today it's almost like our ideal self is one that is uh, very comfortable in the spotlight, uh, very cool, has that flashy smile. I mean, think about who in our society is really um, demonstrating these type of things. I'd say our president, you know, has a certain charisma about him. Uh, Our celebrities all have kind of this charismatic, they have these great smiles. Um... And it's really just more about how they're appearing in public as opposed to, you know, what's going on in their private lives. And 
I think we have to always keep in mind whenever we're talking about uh, character versus personality. Personality is how other how others see you, how they perceive you. Character is much more about how you see yourself. Um, people could see us as having, you know, just say for example, oh, these guys have very gregarious. They they have these incredible personalities. But if we look in the mirror and we feel like we're phonies, if we feel like we're frauds. Man, why does that, that personality means nothing if there isn't character to align with it. I think ideally it'd be cool to have someone that has a great personality as well as great character. Mm -hmm. But if you could only have one, I, I choose character over personality, definitely. Yeah, and yeah. I think the, when we see a lot of leadership positions, yeah, yeah, uh, they're held by people with, who are extroverts. Right. Because if you're kind of the loudest person in the room, yeah, uh, yeah. You kind of you get noticed, and your idea seems to kind of win that meeting. And Magnetism, bro, exactly. Just to piggyback off you, Dom. I don't mean to interrupt, but no, please. yeah, it's like think about it. If you're almost think about it in terms of sports, right? If you're a player on a team, and your coach has sort of this like this way to motivate you and pull everything out of you, you're gonna run through a wall for them. But if your coach goes up there, hands in his pockets, and he looks like Point Dexter, <laughs> you know, he's just like, all right, guys, let's give it our all. You might not go to that extra gear. So it kind of makes sense that sometimes we want our leaders to be a little bit more uh, magnetic. You know, these Tony Robbins of the world, these type of people who are able to almost like they can pull into the person and uh, change something in there that gets them fired up. But it's also dangerous as well because what if, you know, we have someone who's very charismatic and they're promoting things that are just not true and all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, everyone will always think of someone like Hitler. Mm -hmm. Clearly, he was he was a great extrovert. He knew how to uh, get the most. Out. He knew how to promote, uh, sell his message. But look at what that message did for that country and for six million Jewish people, you know, so um, I think we have to just be so careful, like we talked about uh, how the difference between an idea and how um, an idea is presented. Yes. The presentation of an idea does not make an idea great. Mm -hmm. The idea itself is what could be good or bad or yeah. good or evil and things like that. I think that's why Susan Cain wrote this book, right? To say, okay, yeah. a lot of the ideas that are winning the day are because they're presented very well. Wow. And yeah. let's just take a moment here to champion the introverts yes. and what they bring to the table. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She doesn't want the introverts... Uh, Really, she, I guess she would argue that they're kind of undervalued, that yes. the introvert traits. For sure, bro. Yeah. I think this book's definitely, I think uh, a couple uh, people that were reviewing it called it a manifesto for introverts. <laughs> and I know she has kind of like a movement uh, where it's called like, you know, introvert movement. Uh, I think there's another name for it. But she, this book's definitely geared to kind of um, fire up introverts who might feel like there isn't. A place for them in society they might feel misunderstood they might feel that their natural skills and traits um aren't really aren't really uh there's not really a place for them in the job force maybe that they feel like there should be so the, i think this is a book to kind of increase awareness for introverts and just to kind of say wait a minute introverts um have a lot of gifts and yeah. let's just let's really look at those gifts that uh they can bring to the table you know uh, susan cain talks about the balance and how good of a balance it is to have extroverts and introverts. Yeah. So when yeah. you know you're forming different teams and work or organizations, uh, how how good it is to have the introvert because, I guess we should start by kind of describing the differences between introverts and extroverts. Do Definitely. you have any notes on that, Brendan? Or? Yeah, bro. I would say like the number one thing is 
and it's hard because a lot of us might feel like we fall somewhere in between but a truly we'll just look at the extremes first like an extreme introvert is someone that um would be drained by going to a bar going to a party that would be extremely draining for them mm -hmm. they would much prefer a one-on-one -on -one with a good friend that maybe they've known for quite some time where they could just maybe talk have a glass of wine and take it easy um introverts get drained by too much stimulation whereas extroverts thrive off that stimulation uh i think of someone like my mom who's an extreme extrovert and she thrives off you know parties bars big group settings one-on-one -on -one, she's very much bored at um where i see myself as more of an introvert and i prefer the one-on-one -on -one to a bar to a big large party i'd much prefer just meeting up with a friend one-on-one -on -one, getting coffee um and then there's a lot of people that fall somewhere in between like i would say i feel like you feel you fall somewhere in between for yeah. sure on that spectrum yeah definitely i feel like there's there's certain aspects when uh kane's describing the ideal like extrovert or an introvert i feel like i you know i fall into both of those categories yeah um she also explains how extroverts get an extra buzz from the pursuit and attainment of their goals and that kick of dopamine that introverts get from parties and status is relatively small wow. so they won't go out of their way to get there um, and that introverts are usually sensitive to all experiences both mm. positive and negative yes yes introverts have this innate ability to feel and that can be a dangerous thing i feel like it's probably a, a one of the most beautiful things as well uh, when you can feel things um very intensely good or bad i think that's great i think it's a great thing and i guess extroverts what she's saying have a little bit less of that yeah. which is <laughs> which is interesting <laughs> to say the least oh that's good i want to bring up a quote um so i'm gonna go to page 185 uh brendan because it's a foreign uh student at the University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA. Yeah. And uh, I thought about our experience in Western civilization classes at Providence College <laughs> because, so what this student says, um, oh, this is great. So actually, so she was a quiet person at UCLA and the professor would start class saying, let's discuss. And she would look up at our peers and she thought they were talking nonsense. Nonsense. And the professor was so patient just listening to everyone. Uh, so she said she remembers being amazed and she thought, oh, in the U.S., as soon as you start talking, you're fine. And I, I felt a similar experiences of last week's episode. We talked in depth about kind of the benefits of a liberal arts education. Yeah. And a lot of these university settings are, I guess it's not just at the university, but just coming to a consensus through an entire group thinking exercise right. and oh, let's have multiple people in here and <laughs> like think it out and work it out and have these big brainstorming sessions. Um, just the whole idea of, of just like the loudest voice in the room winning. And yeah. People might be talking nonsense, but if they're presenting it in a very eloquent and smart way, yeah. then that's going to that's gonna win the day. Right. Um, that's Yeah, it's such a shame because you think of, you know, even to write a book, right? A book is not a book is a thesis, which could be a blanket statement. But in order for a book to ha to be valid, it needs to uh, provide evidence for that thesis, especially nonfiction book. And so you have nuance and you have deep critical thinking. And I know what you're saying. There was many classes I sat in seminar, especially at PC. We had a lot of seminar type classes. Um, where sometimes kids are just throwing out complete nonsense and coming out of left field <laughs> with a fun fact they learned in and psychology there's no, yeah, and that's yeah. going to drive the discussion for the rest of class and there's absolutely no nuance to the thinking um, 
and that's that's very bad uh all opinions are valid without a doubt but you have to be able to back that up you can't make a claim and then have nothing to show for it and i think we're seeing a lot of that in our in our public debate forums especially nowadays and whether it's entertainment whether it's uh politics sports debate some of these presidential um the uh debates right right right. and you know where someone might have a great response if they were an an introvert and yeah. a really well written argument. Right. That's not gonna. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. not gonna uh, really help them in the polls. Exactly. It's gonna be their experience on television. I wonder how television has created or amplified the whole extrovert wow. ideal, right? Yeah. Because before maybe you could, uh, I don't know, <laughs> if something bothers you, right? In public policy, oftentimes you'll you'll go to your journal and you'll write about it. Right. And. You know, yeah. instead of going to television, going on Fox News or going on Meet the Press in the morning. Exactly. That's, that's what's kind of driving the direction of politics. It's sad, though, because I think so much of it, too, is the speed. The speed of, like, uh, modern life and everything. So, like, for example, when the whole thing came about uh, with a, the abortion stuff that's been in the news as of late. Man, I went to my journal and I tried to, like, think deeply about this, reflect and look at both sides. And uh, I wrote about 10 pages on it, and I haven't even shared that to really anyone because it's, it's my, how I uh, have engaged with that topic. But we live in a, in a society right now that's promoting just the opposite. We're promoting the quick, immediate response. Go to the radio response. with three talking points. Yes, go to the radio with three talking Exactly, bro, and go from there. And I just think like uh, that is a result of just the speed of everything right now and how this stuff is. Now that's, a, that's already in the back seat, bro. You know, we're, we're on to new stuff. We're on to what's going on in Hong Kong right now. And, like, the thing about abortion already has died down quite a bit. But just two weeks ago, man, it was everyone was up in arms about it. They were ready to kill the other side. <laughs> and I think, dude, I'm really concerned that just, like, we're, we move at this light speed with everything. Um, the other side of the yeah. coin of technology amplifying the, uh, the extrovert um, being championed in our society is how... Um, introverts can benefit from technology, as yes. Kane talks about. Yeah, they feel more comfortable. Not not all, intro- you know. We're, we're speaking very generally here. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> uh, but some introverts f- share more on the internet and online definitely um, than they would in person because they're just more they're they're able to communicate their feelings maybe yeah. on paper or in writing better. Might than be a little vocally, bit easier you know? than. Yeah, yeah exactly. saying it to a person it might be a little too raw, uncomfortable for them. And Sherry Turkle might argue, you know, yeah, she might yeah. have some disagreements with that, right? Um, in her book on reclaiming conversation and really championing that yeah. face-to-face conversation, yeah. was that book really championing the extrovert ideal? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, bro. I it, know a lot. Yeah, a lot of uh, it's cool that we're seeing a lot of overlapping between things we've read, and you know, now we're reading all these other books. Um, and it all kind of ties together, you know, whether it's technology, whether it's social media, whether it's what's going on with our modern journalism, like all this stuff's coming together. But I think really coming to the heart of it about um, the personality and character thing is just like that is fascinating. And I think that's something that we might see as an overarching theme here on a book a week. I think we've really tried to explore that maybe even like without even knowing it. Mm. But um and I know we talked about it before we started here about have, have we gone too far in the sense of can we ever go back to a culture of character or is this, you know, this is what life is now in modern day uh, society. Personality wins, you know. Yeah. Is there a way to go back? And I think Kane is very optimistic and thinking there is, but I personally, man, I, I hate to say it, I'm all about character being more important than personality, but I'm pessimistic, man. I don't think we're going to go back. I don't yeah. think we're reversing that trend. 
at all. And when you say go back, I think uh, Kane talks about this time where most people were living on small farms or yeah. in small towns across America. Yeah. And then once, uh, you know, people started moving more towards the cities and then the rapid industrialization, and now yeah. America's really, you know, producing and manufacturing and selling a lot more goods than people just right. living off their, their land in their small towns. Um, now, then we got to a point where, yeah, the, the salesmen, uh, people selling more products, advertising, you have Madison Ave, right, in New York City. Right, bro. And, and it just kind of came more of a consumer culture. Mm. And then in that, people are, are really spending time trying to get people's attention. And how do you get their attention? I mean, wow. you have to, introverts, literally, by, by definition, right, yeah. don't crave that attention. Yeah. So, yeah. of course, extroverts are going to rise to the top of multiple companies, create large companies and large advertising firms. And um, That's fascinating, man. Yeah. And really drive that culture. I mean, the whole television in itself, right? I mean. Does an introvert really? really <laughs> Does an introvert to really want to, you know, have their mon their thirty minute monologue segment like Cuomo? <laughs> but yeah, and I'm I'm looking at uh the historical roots part here, and it says um, someone described uh, Zosia Bilsky from the Globe and Mail described this transformation, uh, from the the person the character, to the culture of character to the culture of personality to be aligned with the quote rise of the salesman and the move from morals to magnetism which Kane says has changed forever quote who we are whom we admire how we act at job interviews and what we look for in an employee um how we court our mates and raise our children and that's why this really is this is a big question to chew on you know this I think it's it's great that she she raised this question because um the rise of the salesman thing like you were talking about Dom with just big business, urbanization, it was a perfect storm. You know, it was a perfect storm for the the personality to become God in a way because <laughs> how are you going to make the most money? You need to have the best personality and Carnegie hacks how to connect best with people, how to get people to believe your idea. This is powerful stuff. As we said, I remember what we did Carnegie's book and we constantly were saying, guys, this is dangerous. If applied the wrong way, you can be a shark. You can manipulate people. Human psychology is wired in such a way where it can be manipulated. Let's let's call a spade a spade, you know. And um, just because someone's charming uh, does not mean that they have your best interest at stake. Ted Bundy. Yeah, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Ted Bundy stuff with my girlfriend on Netflix. Creepy. I'm having nightmares. I'm thinking people are in my house. Um, I might need a psychological evaluation. But uh, this stuff is real, man. And like people can charm your pants off. And just be careful. I my heroes are people that. Uh, had the best character, man. You know, those are my heroes. And I'm not saying that America needs to go back in time to a pre-industrial age, but I think we do need to value character over personality. I'd love to lead a movement um, that stressed that. And I'm so happy that Kane got the ball rolling on this topic, yeah. you know. So can you talk about um, kind of this whole feeling of needing to recharge that introverts seem to, seem yeah. to have? Because I know when we discussed, you know, whether we, we think we're more introverted or extroverted. Yeah. And I think, you know, well, I have some extrovert, um, like, characteristics or traits. I'm not really sure what to call it. But I do enjoy being, a, like, large groups of people. Definitely. I, and I like, you know, always hanging out with friends. I kind of. Definitely. And whereas you were explaining to me that if you were to spend a day or out with people, a lot of people. Yeah. You would prefer to kind of, or you would need some time to recharge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely dumb. So let me just break this down for you quickly i don't want to sound too long-winded so yesterday me you and my girlfriend went to the beach um from 10 to 3 mm -hmm. and then uh so now after spending five hours with you know one of my best friends and my girlfriend um 
us introverts are sensitive man you know we're not just like kind of going through the motions uh at the beach like we're taking everything in every feel i'm feeling a lot as i'm talking to you guys in conversation it's a it's a tiring day i'm exhausted as i'm driving home and i need time to literally recharge and reflect on what just happened i can't go to the next activity of the day without having that time otherwise i feel scattered and i feel overwhelmed and that comes back to like that intense uh, it's sensitivity you feel so much so um you can't go through a day on autopilot ever it's just it's not part and i'm not saying extroverts do but i think extroverts can adapt quicker to things uh like if all of a sudden i know you were with me yesterday but then say you go home and your parents want to have a two-hour conversation with you you could thrive in that whereas with me i would have been i start freaking out in my mind because i need just a little bit of time before i'll have that conversation later Mm. and i think us introverts we've struggled with we've probably struggled with that at some points in our lives anyone's listened to this and you're introvert i know i used to feel bad about that Um, am i antisocial now i know i'm not antisocial i can connect with people like that it's just a matter of i need to make sure i recharge in between yeah and things like that and that's why Um, this book is great so that way more people understand what the introverts want it's not that they're being weird and don't want to talk to you or yeah no they just need time to 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 recharge yeah Um, Yeah. whereas i might be off put if you're just like oh man yeah we just chilled all day i can't can't chill tonight too yeah man like let's go out for sure yeah i know introverts they're definitely i think it's a sensitivity thing you know and kane talks a lot about the science behind this uh a lot about like nature versus nurture Mm -hmm. and i like what you said about um uh the physiology of temperament um yeah let me let me find exact um, and just how like so babies it's cool how you can tell with uh, young babies who's going to be more introverted or extroverted based on how reactive they are to stimulation um extroverts are not really thrown off by a lot of stimulation at young ages they can already deal with it okay but you'll see introverts start crying they get anxious they freak out so it would make sense that if they're at a bar, they would have that reaction. It's not that they're weird people. It's that they're overly stimulated. And when I'm in groups of people, sometimes I even get overly stimulated as well. So uh, introverts are going to be much more likely, as we talked about, to prefer more quiet, more peaceful one-on-one settings. Um, I could never work in a high-paced environment. Yeah. I would lose my mind. Wow. Yeah. Now that, that like, you say that? It's not possible, bro. You know. Couldn't do it. Honestly? Like a high stakes, like intense oh, well, mine environment. Were, you know? So when I was waiting tables and uh, th- that was intense for me. Yeah. That was too quick, high pace and like people in your face making yeah. demands. And I was overwhelmed. That's Extroverts thrive that. in that, bro. Because I think, you oh, know? I'm more extroverted. But in that situation, I do kind of prefer my nine to five job when I'm yeah. at my desk yeah. alone and I can work on a project <laughs> in solitude yep. and then get get together for meetings and talk to people at work. I do crave that yes. as well. But wow, I was overwhelmed. Yeah, dumb. It's overwhelming, man. You know, multiple demands from four different tables that yeah. think that I'm you're even thinking all your about. Um, I even think about sports, bro. Where uh, we played football, we, we played high school football together, high school basketball together, and. I never could understand how people before the games would be bashing their heads into lockers and they'd be listening to Waka Faka Flames and they'd be like doing these crazy movements making like yacht yacht noises which was rather absurd to me to begin with. So I would kind of sit at my locker in dead silence and like pick my nails and I'd go out and perform at a high level but I was not going to 
get all amped yeah. up. Like I get amped up in my own way, and uh-huh. I look back on it, and I'm like, wow, of course you're an introvert. I had no part yeah. of that. Like, let's get it, man. Like, tonight <laughs> is our night. Dudes were saying, like, tonight we eat them, and I'm just like, no, these are human beings. I want to shake their hands after the game <laughs> and, like, maybe get to know them on a personal level. <laughs> but dudes are like, no, that's soft. And I'm just like, wow. You know, so I was struggling with that at that age, for sure. Yeah, this but, would uh, have been an interesting book to read in high school because that's, that is a place where the extrovert wins out. <laughs> the introvert. Oh, so Kane um, says that introvert uh, extroverts get better grades in middle school. Introverts, oh, excuse me. Extroverts get better grades in elementary school. That's so funny. Right. Where like you get grades yeah. on like writing and like how you can draw. But then the introverts <laughs> start getting better grades in middle and high school. So that makes sense because yeah. then once the yeah, I don't yeah you can picture the elementary school where just the most dominant kids, outgoing and loudest kids, just get the, the most attention, just like punking kids at recess. Yeah. Exactly, but then once you actually get into some topics, man, these introverts are actually reflecting and exactly. writing better. I think most of the time you're gonna have introverts that are um right, bro. I think most of the time if people are writing books, most of the time I would say they have to be introverted to do that. I think yeah. to write a book is such an introverted task, man. Like to sit down day in and day out, and you start sacrificing what you could be doing. You start hanging out with friends less, but you you get. I feel like introverts, because they feel so intensely too, almost, I would take a radical aim. I am an introvert, so take this with a grain of salt, but I think introverts are the ideal leaders because I think they think and feel so deeply that like, they're, they've worked through their their beliefs and their judgments. They didn't just like, they weren't like impacted by it on a superficial level and cling to it. I think introverts, because they're so conscious and <laughs> sometimes that's a fault of theirs, they really wrestle with things. I know, like with me, just the topic such as religion. Man, I've gone through every angle of it at 25. I've gone through, like, going through the motions with it. I've gone through being the poster boy for, like, being born again. And then I've gone through, like, being skeptical about any religion that claims to have the one single truth. And it's just a result because uh, of me being an introvert and me really trying to attack these things and reflect on them. And I think an extrovert is very much uh, more likely to not engage in that, you know, and just be like, nope, that's what I believe, that's it. And like go on to the next thing. And it's, I think introverts, they they want to continue to dig. And yeah. like I said, that that could be a dangerous thing, but I would like my leader to be skilled and nuanced, critical thinking for sure. Wow. Yeah. So let's go back to that being like a little bit of both, right? Because yes. I feel like you, if you're, you claim to be an introvert, but I also see a lot of extrovert uh, qualities to you. Yeah. So, and I think as I'm uh, myself similarly, where I've noticed in a group setting, if there is a more dominant or maybe more extroverted personality, yeah. then I usually yield to them. Mm-hmm. And then once, it, but if I have a more dom, if I am like say we're in a group and I become the more dominant personality, like I can yeah. fill that role and yeah. then really enjoy like leading the conversation. I like and, that, and, like, dude. You know the center yeah. of attention. So I feel like I can do both. But if there is yeah. a more extroverted, then I'll I'll yield, and Don't, that's a little introvert yeah. quality because then I won't compete for that attention. For sure. Bro, I'd say you're definitely am- ambivert. I think yeah. it's, let's see what it's called. I think that's ambivert. Yeah. You're very much in the middle, dude. And I think most people are. You know, I would say, like, if we're looking at the scale, I could see you, like, in the middle, but a little bit more on the side of extroversion. And I would see myself in the middle, but a little bit more on the side of introversion. Okay. So um, if we're thinking of it as terms yeah. of like a political spectrum, that same type of thing. But, like, I would say me and you are both somewhere towards the middle. Um, and I love what you're saying about that, though, because the true extrovert in the workplace uh, wouldn't yield. You know, they're not yielding. Mm-hmm. 
and you can see why you want your basketball coach to be that way. Why Kobe Bryant was so good at basketball because he pro- he wasn't going to yield, you know. Whereas maybe Gasol would yield a little bit, so Kobe dominated what was going to happen on that team. But uh, That's yeah, I'm totally with you. Like I, I'll hop in to a group setting, and you know, I be- I, I believe in my ideas certainly, but. I'm not going to be like, I'm not yielding on my ideas. And if there's someone that, but, and, but that's what's dangerous about um, these group things, which Kane goes on to talk about. She advocates for people working alone, you know, and I totally agree, man. You know, I, uh, I'm trying to be a teacher right now and there won't be group work in my classes. There won't be. Wow. Uh, I don't believe in it. They're not going to sit in the groups of four right. or six. No groups, bro. It's going to be rows and you're going to engage with text yourself and we'll have a cumulative discussion based on what you got from the text individually but johnny isn't gonna um just believe mason because mason has a trump dominating personality and mason's a a bit of you know a quiet introverted kid a quiet introverted kid is going to engage with that text in his own way and i want to hear that you know so wow it's interesting that we are setting our offices up in such a way where the group think is becoming pretty dominant i'd say and you you know this better than me you've worked those jobs more than me um, but even, you know, when I was working at a social work uh, government agency job, a lot of group thing going on, you know, wow. and the loudest, <laughs> the loudest person was the one that kind of set the tone. Yeah. And we were going to follow their lead. And I, I like how Kane's just saying, just be conscious that you're doing yeah. that. If the loudest person has the greatest idea, man, that's amazing. You know, that's the ideal. If our loudest person has the best ideas, oof, yeah. wow, man, we're coming together. How much do you think we can change, right? So yeah. uh, Kane talks a lot about the public speaking, and you know, if you're not comfortable, but you know, it's good to read these Dale Carnegie books if you yeah. are an introvert, because then yeah. you can pick up some skills that will have benefits, right? For sure. So how much do you think you can change where so much, you're though. an introvert, yeah. but you need to be an extrovert, and yeah. if you're going to have the attention of 25 kids, Brandon, yeah. right. and then if I... Or yeah, vice versa. Yeah. Can I be a little bit more? You're so right, Dom. Yeah, yeah. Um, great point. Great I, point. I think Kane says just to kind of give what Kane said. Yeah. Um, to to kick this off is, um, what was it? That our temperament is more uh, our nature, right? But yes. our personality can be nurtured and and changed a little yeah. bit. Absolutely, my man. Um, I would say, and you know, you look back on yourself. We're 25 years old now, but I think. If someone met me right now, they and we said, "What do you think he's an introvert or an extrovert?" They'd be like, "Wow, he might even be an extrovert," you know. But if they met me at eighteen, they would have been like introvert without a doubt. Exactly. So you can change it for sure. But I like that distinction because the temperament will never go away. I'm always gonna be highly sensitive. I'm always gonna um feel a lot. I'm always gonna be drained by too much people. However, um, she talks a lot about this in the book. The professor who takes very long breaks in a study period and will go out and do meditation and things like that to cope with it. So I want to educate kids. I want to um, have kids understand their full potential. So I'm going to teach. Whether I'm an introvert or an extrovert, I know that's what I'm going to do. Now it's a matter of, well, you know you get drained. So if you have three classes back to back and then it's a 45-minute break, then that fourth class coming in, how are you going to spend that 45 minutes? You've got to recharge. Mm-hmm. And I think an extrovert wouldn't need to. An extrovert could go to the teacher's lounge yeah. and hit it off so with everyone and talk about last night's Game of Thrones episode. But the introvert is going away. Yeah. They're going off for a little bit, and then they're going to come back and teach. So it can definitely be done. And I would really warn people against um, using their introversion as a crutch. Uh, very scary just like using I, I'm not gonna bash that right now but 
I think it's almost the same thing with people that are depressed. Let's not use those labels now as crutches to say, well, that's why I'm never going to be a teacher. Mm -mm. If you're an introvert, you can still be an amazing teacher. Your temperament's never going to change, but personality can. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great distinction that she talks about. Uh, it will take time for yeah. sure, but it absolutely can be done. King yeah. talks about some of these yeah, mechanisms that you're, are just good systems that yeah. you can put into place where knowing you need to recharge. And if you're an introvert, but you feel like you should be doing more networking for your career and stuff, yeah. then mark something out on your calendar where you can do it once a month right. and go out and these sorts of things. And then check it off your box. That way you don't feel guilty mm -hmm. that, oh, I'm not going out and doing yeah. anything. So you and can then do once you systems. do it, yeah, it's like the, the fascinating thing with human psychology from what I've seen, you know, um, and Emerson says, you know, whenever you're afraid of something, do it anyway. And, like, I like that because maybe it is awkward for an introvert to attend an expo meeting with a big career meeting, those things they used to have at PC. Like, I never wanted to go to those. I remember you'd be like, come on, dude, let's go. Like, you wanted, you know, you were pumped to see what they were all about. Nah, not my thing. But if I'm afraid of it or whatever reason, for whatever reason, once I go and I get through it, maybe I connect one-on-one -on -one with a couple different people. Then I'm like, that wasn't so bad. So it's all about, like, if you are an introvert, you can train yourself to be more extroverted. Um, but I don't want that to be the main takeaway from this book. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think Kane does either. It's not either. to change yes. or that, like, if you're an introvert, this is how to be an extrovert. Right. But also, I think it's big that you touch on that, Dom, because I think it would be very sad if people were just, like, choosing. If someone's very passionate about having an influence on a lot of people, usually that means you're going to have to be a public speaker, usually. Um, and things like that. You're going to need to be in the limelight a little bit to share your message. Yeah, even if you write a book, you probably have to do some type of tour. Yeah, some book signing. And uh, there's going to be a lot of people, so you have to figure out how you're going to manage that, you know? But I like how she does make that point of, like, temperament probably will never change throughout life. And yeah. it's kind of fascinating, you know? Um, yeah, and how introverts don't crave as much attention. She talks about this couple who wants it, uh, this married couple, um, the husband, I think, is an extreme extrovert, and he likes dinner parties every single week. Yeah. And his wife isn't about that. She's very introverted, and but she doesn't really crave the attention and stuff. So it, it was interesting, and they eventually were able to come to a compromise where they were able to have dinner parties twice a month, and that way, you know, she wasn't completely overwhelmed. Right. And also just having dinners instead of one big table then people could just kind of do a more buffet style so she could kind of have those one-on-one -on -one interactions yeah. and not just be in a huge group wow so there's different little like, yeah. mechanisms because yeah. you can be compatible in relationships with both extroverts and introverts definitely and um just understanding that and how intensely the introverts feel might feel about something yeah and the yeah. extrovert might want like a lot of attention when he comes when he came home from work or something like right, that. Where right. she, you know, the introvert exactly. He might want to have a long conversation where she's like yeah. understanding him. Dumb, you're speak yeah, man, you're speaking on a good note right now about personal relationships. You know, I, I I just reached my one year with my girlfriend. Pretty excited about that. And like, um, I've noticed we're both introverts. My girlfriend's more of an introvert than me, so it's funny to to balance these things. I know, like, if we I'll have my friends over to watch a game or something. That, and I didn't realize, I said, I started thinking to myself, hey, how come my girlfriend, like, won't hang out with us that much? But then when I asked her, she's just like, honestly, like, babe, that's overwhelming to me. And I'm just like, wow, if you don't have that conversation, there's going to be this crazy thing, like, wow, does she not like my friends? Like, oh, my God, I'm upset, you know, and there's a standstill. But um, just trying to communicate through these things to try to understand different personalities, like, and like you said, uh, some people want dinners every week with their friends, but, you know, you're going to have to compromise in, in the relationships and stuff like that. But take that to the workplace, you know, take that to the schools, take that to sporting teams. You know, 
I remember looking back on it. My coaches used to say things like, man, you'd be a good captain, but like you're not vocal enough. And I, and I used to be like, I try to do the right thing though every practice, but I'm not gonna. I, I wasn't a. I remember a guy we played with Robbie Delgado who could just motivate, and that's a gift, man. You know, that's a skill, and now he's doing that in in other areas. But um, I that's not me, and I think I we as adults we need to do a much better job of seeing introverted kids, understanding their gifts, and not trying to turn them into something they're not. My coaches are trying to turn me yeah. into a Delgado, and that's not me. And I had no coach like appreciating that. Maybe and uh, yeah. I stayed true, but like honestly, you could see how a lot of kids would get confused. Mm-hmm. And that there um, might be something wrong with them, bro. Dom, honestly, I have radical theories. After I read this book, I started saying I think this might be why we're seeing a lot of rise in drugs among kids. I think you are telling kids to be something they're not, mm-hmm. and that's hard for a kid to process. So of course, I'm going to take a drug that makes me feel euphoria yeah. for a little bit until it ends up destroying my life. And I'm just like, wait a minute. This has, I think, it's an inkling. I would need to do a lot of research, but I think this has something to do with the way drugs are being used by kids. I truly do because it's like it's an identity crisis. If you're being told to act a certain way or you're weird because you don't want to go out, that kid's gonna feel that kid, kids are kids feel that stuff, you know. And all of a sudden, you start doing some drugs and you're feeling a little bit better, yeah. so you continue to do that more. So or they'll drink more when they go out. So yeah, they can actually. Tell yeah, going out. Exactly, exactly, bro. Habits. How many kids did we know in college that were introverted as heck, man? But they would just pound drinks just to go out, and they weren't even having a good time. They had to drink that much just to muster up the courage to go out, and that's sad, man. Yeah. You know, like if you don't want to go out, you don't have to. You know, and let's make that kind of acceptable again. Um, yeah, we're far are... we're far away from that right now. That's a little dangerous, you know. I think I remember in college, man. I'd spend my Friday night sometimes at the library, oh, yeah, and I felt very out of place, very out of place, when I'd come back to the dorm and like everyone would just be acting a fool. I'm not saying that's wrong, but where's the community for kids like myself that maybe just wanted to discuss um, public policy on Friday nights and things like that? Yeah, these are some tools that I wish I had when I was um, working with the recreation department. Yeah, because I would work with kids after school every day while I was at Providence College and I guess maybe I could have you know definitely I guess I might hit it off with the introverts a little more and be able to like cater to those kids and like oh if they're outgoing then we can get some good basketball games going maybe that my my style wasn't great for all the introverts like I wouldn't know how to like get them engaged and have fun after school I would definitely if you were an extrovert you probably had a great time after (laughs) school you know with the introverts sports with Dom Yeah. yeah man so these are some good tools to under, to better understand the introverts and kind of how why those characteristics they have are actually really valuable. Yes, yes. I Exactly, bro. I think you hit the nail on the head, Dom. That's the number one uh, takeaway from this book is just that, you know, although introverts might seem di- different, we'll use that word, they seem different than, you know, probably what the extroverted uh conditioned american is used to now and then uh, just get to know them you know i think that's what she's saying is just take a little bit of time to reserve judgment get to know them all of a sudden you chill with the introvert and you find out like that they they've spent the past two years studying 20th century political philosophy in greece and you're like what just because they're quiet yeah right like they uh you know they're you know, they're different. Uh, Dude, I wanted to talk to you about this because I was thinking last week. I went to my younger cousin's. Uh, he's playing Little League, his baseball game, playoff game. Yeah. <laughs> and I was blown away about how cool sports are because a yeah. fly out to left field, this 
11-year-old drops the ball, man, like humiliated in front of everyone. And I'm thinking like, wow, how awesome are sports yeah. that this kid gets to go through this humiliation, right. face it, and hopefully overcome it. Because yeah. I was thinking like, wow, that must be so embarrassing. I wonder yeah. how I – I was thinking like I wonder how I was reacting at that age right. to like mess up yeah. in sports and yeah. everybody, even like adults, are like sighing like, ah, come on, you know? Right, right. And I was like, wow, sports are kind of cool for that reason. Yeah. Because where sports else do you awesome, get to man. <laughs> go through that – humiliation ups and downs and just kind of you know yeah be able to overcome hopefully they're overcoming it's such a personal thing man you know because like in school you can make excuses if you flunk a test and bring it home and yeah. mom says what why did you fail that you can say everyone in the class failed that. oh the classic, the classic excuse. excuse that i use time and time again especially in our ge- oh, geometry oh my gosh man euclid I, c- I couldn't figure that stuff out but with sports the thing that i love is you know, when the kid drops the fly ball in right field, he can't blame anyone but himself. You might hear him say, the sun was in my eyes, or, you know, I tripped over a daisy. Um, <laughs> but, like, that kid personally effed up. <laughs> and um, I think that's okay for kids to go through that because it's going to create resilience. Yeah. And ultimately, that's what life is all about. You know, you're going to get punched in the face time and time again, so you better develop resilience, you know? Yeah. Well, you always hear, like, oh, these kids these days, you know, everyone gets a trophy and stuff like that. But I was <laughs> like, oh, no, these kids are still being yeah. humiliated at, like, yeah. sporting events. Sports are humiliating, man. But I think through that humiliation comes, like you said, uh, this certain ability to be resilient now, to grow from your mistakes and um to just keep moving you know now he goes out he has another fly ball you got a chance to redeem yourself yeah. i like that you know he's got another opportunity if he drops another one he might be getting pulled man they're gonna throw in little johnny to take his spot but like um yeah sorry i just had yeah. to bring that up because i like I was that blown away, yeah. man. i was blown away it's a solid tidbit man it's solid it's kids man mr money mustache <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you got to read Mr. Money Mustache's book. I wonder what he'd say about that. Somehow, if you drop a fly ball, you get angry, and then you become a shark, and then you end up somehow making millions in your life because yeah. you didn't want to be humiliated ever again. <laughs> oh, we've seen that. <laughs> hey, do you have an ad for this week? Dumb. Honestly, bro, just shout out to... We um Barrington Books, but I thought we... Shout out to Mouse Books, yes, guys. So Mouse, Mouse Book Club, I'm sorry. So all of a sudden, I'm reading this book last week about digital minimalism go figure we've only we've only talked about that on 50 percent of our podcast get get something original dudes but um all of a sudden i'm reading this this book about digital minimalism and this guy talks about something called mouse book club so i grabbed the membership it's 50 bucks for a membership and how it works is their slogan is take a break from technology and distraction with phone-sized physical books mouse books are approachable carefully curated beautiful and durable take them with you everywhere so this is literally the size of a phone um, you can fit it in your pocket, and man, they have some great authors. They have Herman Melville, Dostoevsky, Machiavelli, Whitman, Shakespeare, Dunn. I can't wait to see Thoreau. this once you get your Dumb. shipment. I can't wait for my shipment to come in. You get 12 books a year, so a little, a little over four books a piece. I think that's solid. You're supporting a decent cause, and you know what? You have good literature on you at all times. I, I think that's a solid deal. Wow. Um, Dumb, this is kind of like what the books look like, I guess, like. Okay. Right there. Yeah, for all, all of you listening, yeah, yeah, you can really see what these look like. <laughs> these are going to be awesome. You know, they're going to change your life and hopefully transform you, which, you know, <laughs> is what we're trying to do here at Book a Week. <laughs> Definitely. All right. So, email uh, bookaweekpod at gmail.com um, for, sure. for book recommendations. And yes. Brendan, anything else on Quiet? I'm looking through my notes. Dumb. Honestly, I thought it was just a good book. I also want us to remember that extroverts do have. Again, I'm biased. I, I, I identify more on the introvert cause for sure. 
an introvert does. But extroverts have many, many gifts as well. And I think ultimately, ideally, right, you want to bring both to the table. You want someone that can kind of motivate and pull the best out of others. But you also want that person to be able to reflect. I think that's creepy to go through your life without ever reflecting. Uh, that is <laughs> that is weird, man. I'm gonna go so far as to say you've missed out, my friend. You've missed out. But uh, yeah, let's somehow try to combine the extrovert, introvert, and if we could all be ambiverts, that'd be great. And Kane is uh, onto something here, you know. Um, balance, balance, guys. That's what it's all about. That's what all the great sages throughout time have told us to find equanimity right to be balanced to be able to socialize with friends but to enjoy your own solitude you know at times as well yeah yeah solitude is important to creativity yes yes Kane Kane argues I think our great uh, friend Pablo Picasso you know tells us uh, without great solitude no serious work is possible so if you're just going to be an extrovert your whole life is serious work possible? I'd go so far as to say it isn't. If you want to crucify me for saying that, I live well, at two two five Waterman. Podcast on that because I got some words, <laughs> and we'll go from there. Yeah. But um, guys, Great. thank you so much for listening. Right. What are we reading next? Oh, uh, dumb. What are we doing next week, bro? Do you want to do oh. the technology one? Do you want to do Thomas Merton? Do you want to do uh, Oliver Sacks on gratitude? Uh, I want to leave that up to, for okay. you to decide, bro. What's the other book? That blue book? That oh, we... the Happiness Hypothesis. Yeah. Dude, let's do that one. All right. Yeah, I want you to read that one this week. Happiness Hypothesis, guys, if you're reading along, by Jonathan Haidt, University of Virginia, uh, social psychologist. Real brilliant dude. Big, big time with the whole positive psychology movement, trying to find out what happiness is, you know, <laughs> which probably we're all after in some form or another some of us illegally some of us legally but you know we want happiness and height's gonna discuss that you know great. how we can get it and he's gonna use some ancient wisdom so yeah let's go for it all right great have a good week guys be well Thanks be grateful joining. take care all right, bye